Good morning, everyone. It's good to be with you. Um, welcome to Great Commission Community Church. Uh, my name's Julie. I've been gone for a few weeks, so it's really good to be back and uh, worshiping with you this Sunday. Every week, we begin our services uh, with a call to worship, where we read aloud from a passage in God's Word that calls us, God's people, into His presence. So let's draw near to God today because God is calling us to worship and to encounter him together. So as I read aloud this morning from the Apostle Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus, you can read along on the screen. This is Ephesians chapter 2. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, we come to you today in different ways. Um, some of us are running towards you. Some of us might be limping. Some of us need to be carried. You are immeasurably rich in mercy, in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. We are yours, known by you, called by you, and loved by you. Thank you, God, for your great love, for grace, and for faith. We ask that you meet us here, Lord. Speak to us, heal us, renew us, and revive us. Amen. If you're able, please stand as we sing our songs of thanksgiving and praise.
with one another. Turn and speak this truth to someone near you. You can say the peace of Christ be with you, and then shortly we'll go through some community announcements. Again, welcome. It's so good to be with you all 
back at the Doubletree as well. Um, so welcome. Um, I wanted to share a few things um, that's going on in our community right now. Um, so every Tuesday night, we do have prayer meeting. Um, it's at 8 o'clock, and it's over Zoom. So we really encourage everyone to come out. You can try it if you've never done it or if it's been a while since you've joined the prayer meeting. Please um, come out as well. Don't be shy. Um, similarly to last week, um, this week, this coming Tuesday, we'll be praying specifically for us to be kept in unity, which is one of the main things that the Bible says Christ gives to us as a group, as a community. Um, so that's Tuesday at 8 o'clock. Next Tuesday, which is um, the mm, 15th, um, there will be a Pentagon City um, connection event, um, especially if you're new to the area or maybe you um, don't feel like you know a whole lot of people. This is a very informal time um, for us to get together at the Alamo Draft House Cinema in Crystal City. So it's right on Crystal Drive, sort of that way. Um, there's no agenda. It's just a time for people to come together. Um, apparently, they have a $6 appetizer happy hour, so that would be great as well. Um, so this is next Tuesday, the 15th, um, around 6 o'clock until whenever. Um, and if you have any questions, you can contact Nikki Osterlo. Um, she's kind of in organizing it, but again, there's no agenda, so please come out. Um, we are excited to start another year of small groups. Small groups are a really important part of our community, a way to um, yeah, just get to know more people better and be able to dive into spiritual life together. Um, we are still looking for leaders and hosts. Um, our small group season kind of kicks off with the academic year in general. Um, so if you're feeling prompted by the Holy Spirit to, to either lead a small group or host, or even if you just have questions about what does that mean to lead a small group or to host a small group, um, please contact pa Pastor Jonathan. Um, his email's on our website. Um, he can answer any questions you have. Reaching out to him is not like a binding commitment. So if you're just sort of curious, um, just reach out to him. He'd love to answer questions you have. Um, or if you have any questions in general about small group, um, he can answer them. Myself, Pastor Carl. Um, if you are interested, if you're sort of really feeling like this is something you want to do, August 20th would be a great time to reach out to him by, just so that we can kind of get things squared away for the kickoff of the season. Um, the next thing is that we are excited to announce that we will be taking an overseas um, short-term mission trip to support our partners in Central Asia. This will be next spring in March. The dates are March 2nd to 9th. Um, there are only a limited number of spots available. So um, we encourage you to please pray about it. If this is something that you've been thinking about or uh, maybe you have some experience before or, or not. Um, and please reach out to Pastor Jonathan if you're interested. Mark your calendars March 2nd to 9th. Um, if you just have questions about it, you can certainly reach out to him as well. Um, so we're excited to, uh, yeah, have, send a team there. Um, lastly, we want to just thank everyone who gives faithfully and generously um, out of commitment to Christ in our church. We give online um, still, but every Sunday we like to dedicate our offering as a community um, to help us remember that our giving is really a, a part of our worship. Um, so please pray with me as I pray for um, this week's offering. God and Father, um, we praise you that all things which come to us are yours. We are thankful that you provide for us financially, you provide for us spiritually, you provide for us in so many other ways. Um, we 
can't even begin to list um, all the ways that you bless us individually and as a community. And God, we know that um, you don't need anything from us, um, but that you desire our reverence and our worship. So God, we just lift up um, our tithes and our offerings now, this week to you. More importantly, God, we lift up our love and our worship. In your name we pray, amen. morning everybody uh, thank you um, that's so great thank you <laughs> um, today we're looking at a, a passage from the Bible Psalm 139 um, we've been going through a series on book five of the Psalms the Psalms are 150 as a collection of like 150 Psalms and um, they're organized into five books as well as other mini collections but um, we're looking at book five of the Psalms uh, in this season and uh, the series title of our sermons um, is Giving Thanks in All Circumstances. And um, today, uh, specifically as we look through uh, Psalm 139, um, I think this is a message for those of us who need to refresh our love for God, refresh our love for other people. Also, and these are connected, but um, I think it's also a message for those who um, are wondering about um, our worth and um, a sense of meaning for our life. So uh, we're looking at, again, Psalm 139. There are four stanzas to this psalm. We'll read and meditate on these stanzas of the psalm together. Um, and let's pray one more time as we um, look into this scripture. God, we thank you for this word. Um, we thank you for this Bible that we have, including these psalms. Lord, encourage us, strengthen us, and refresh our love, Lord, as we uh, spend time meditating on this word that you give to us. Lord, you say that your word is uh, life. We say that we believe this. Lord, you say that, Lord, your word creates life, that your word makes things new. And so we say, Lord, uh, won't you do that even among us and in us today? Lord, we thank you for your awesome voice and the very real presence of your Holy Spirit with us. In Christ's name we pray, amen. This is Psalm 139, verse 1, O Lord, Yahweh, you have searched me and have known me. Um, we, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, but um, in Hebrew, uh, especially in the Psalms, um, it's a decision that we have to make as English translators of these Hebrew Psalms um, in terms of the tense. And so some translations, I'm, writing, I'm reading from the English Standard Version, ESV, um, but if you have a different translation, you might have this verse as, oh, Lord, you search me and you know me. So uh, it's not that one's right and one's wrong. I mean, there's options. So in Hebrew, that tense, is it past or is it present? Is it you have searched me or is it you search me? Um, it could be either. And so the translator has to make or the translation committee has to make decisions on this. Oh, Lord, you have searched me and you've known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. So if, you're, if that's going to bother you, that tense change, let's just keep it present tense. <laughs> Lord, you search me and you know me. 
It's not like, it, I'm just saying that just in case you're like, wait, you, you did in the past search me, but now you know when I say, no, we're talking about the whole thing. It's all one um, sense. It's, it's one thought here. Oh, Lord, you search me and you know me. You know when I sit down. You know when I rise. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path, my lying down. And you are acquainted with all my ways. You're familiar with all my ways. You know me well. Verse 4, even before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely. Behold, O Lord, you know it all together. Verse 5, you hem me in. You surround me, behind me, before me. And you lay your hand upon me. That laying your hand upon me, maybe that is uh, the image of a potter. It could be the image of a protector. It could be both. You hem me in behind before, and you lay your hand upon me. Verse 6, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's too wonderful for me. I, I, it's beyond me. I, I, can't, I can't stand it. It's too much. It's too high for me. I cannot attain it. That's the first stanza. You know me so well. You know everything about me. You know what I think about. You know when I get up. You know when I lay down. You know everything I'm going to say. You know everything I'm going to feel. And you're around me. You surround me all the time. Your hand is upon me. When I think about that, it's just, it's just too much. How is this? Another psalm, psalm, Psalm 8 says it this way. Like, what is man that you are mindful of him? Like, what are we that you think about us, that you care about us? that you know us like this. I think we in our culture, by the way, I think we can relate to this awe um, because it's so important for us, like in our culture, I think it's so important for us to be known and understood and seen. It's such a high value for us. Like we hate it when people like assume things about us. I don't know. I guess maybe all people everywhere hate that, but I think especially us, you know? Like being understood is a big part of, I think, what we would call authentic community. Um, like, we feel like it's authentic community. Like, man, I really experience true community when we feel understood and seen, you know? Like, I, like with my wife, like, it's so great when I feel like she gets me. And then it's so disappointing when I feel like she doesn't, you know? That's, that's real life, okay? Um, verse 7 starts another stanza. Such well, now this is too wonderful that you know me like this. And then verse 7 he gets into this, or this psalmist gets into this sort of wistful, dream-like, fantastical stanza. Um, it actually reminds, before I read it, it, it reminds me of this um, children's book idea that I had when I was, my, my kids were real small, uh, like toddler age. And it's like, the book would have been like, where's Phoebe's sock? You know, can you know how you lose a sock? And, you know, this happens when you're a toddler too. And it's like, where's Phoebe's sock? Like, is it like under the bed? Like, is it in the bathroom? Is it outside? Did it go to the park? You know, did it go to California? Did it go to the moon? Is it swimming in the ocean with the dolphin? You know, that kind of fantastical thing. That's basically what we have here in the next stanza. Where shall I go from your spirit, or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to the heavens, to the skies, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, the underworld, the place of the dead, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, basically if I could ride the sun, 
as it sets or as it rises in the east and sets in the west. If I could ride the sun to the furthest part of the sea and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there, verse 10, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. Like, even if it's dark to me, it's not dark to you, Lord. If, I, if it was just pitch black, it was like we're in a darkness retreat and it was pitch black. It's not pitch black to you. The night is actually as bright as a day, for darkness is as light with you. And then verse uh, 13 starts a third stanza, but it continues this fantastical dreamlike scene from the last one. For you formed my inward parts. So here the psalmist is transporting himself to like some secret place where all people are made like into a mother's womb somehow, like he's trans being transported into the mother's womb, into what he calls the depths of the earth in a couple verses. But verse 13, for you formed me, God, you formed my inward parts, my inmost parts, the parts that I can't even see. You formed me. You knit me together in my mother's womb. There's this imagery that starts here of like a tailor, a clothes maker, a fashion designer. Like, you did this to me. You knit me together in my mother's womb. That's verse 13. And then verse 14, like, hey, is it followed by, let me just read that again. You form my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. And you screwed up. You made me badly. The sleeves are all off. No, no, that's not what it is. Verse 14. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, I know that full well. My soul knows it very well. You know, if, you're, if at this point you're like, why is this psalm in our sermon series called Giving Thanks? Well, here is that word. I praise you. That's translated in the ESV, I praise you. That's also translated in the ESV elsewhere in the psalms, including in book five, um, as I give thanks to you. Here is the same word, same word, Psalm 107. Give thanks to the Lord for his love is forever. His love is little lamb. Uh, here too, like, I praise you, I give thanks to you. But this time he says, I praise you, I give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that. Verse 15, I, my frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Don't be too literal. Like, where is this place where people get made? It's just, it's just a fantastical phrase. It's just this some, some secret place I'm being transported to. It's poetic. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Verse 16, your eyes saw my unformed substance. Like before I was fully formed, when I was just a lump of clay, you saw me. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. Verse 16 talks about this book, like this book that God keeps. And is there a literal book that God keeps? I don't know, but it's a, it's a theme in the scripture, a theme in the Psalms. Like in Psalm 51, uh, the writer says, blot out my transgressions, like from your book, basically. Like the idea is you're, you got, you formed me, and not just me, or you just form my body, or you form my personality, but my life. 
you shaped and fashioned and knit together my life, every day of my life, where I've lived, where I got that scar, who was around me, times of joy, times of sadness. You formed all of it. And all of it, it's like it's written out already. You knew everything, Lord. Verse 17, how precious to me are your thoughts. You can translate that again. A question for English translators, is it how precious about me or how precious to me are your thoughts, oh God? I think it can be both. How vast is the sum of them? I think it makes sense to say how precious about me because that's what this whole psalm has been about. How precious about me are your thoughts, God? How vast is the sum of them? If I were to count them, they are more than the sand. Basically, he's saying, God, I know you think about me all the time. Your thoughts to me actually outnumber the grains of sand on the beach. That's amazing. That's, that's amazing. I, let me just tell you a really quick story. I remember when I was in college. I was a freshman in college, like a couple months in. And I, I was away from home, and my, uh, I was talking to my dad. And I had been kind of praying and meditating on things like this, on this kind of psalm. And at one point, I'm talking on the phone with my dad, and my dad says, Carl, I, you know, like, we miss you, like, and he says, like, I think about you all the time. And then I was like, you know, I'm like tearing up on the phone, like, thank goodness there was no FaceTime, you know, like, you know, because I don't want to show emotion to my father. <laughs> anyway, just kidding. Well, sort of not. But anyway, but like, I have like tears and I'm breaking up, but it's not just because like, oh, I feel this love for my dad, but it's like, it's making me think, yeah, I mean, that's nice too. But it also is like making me think of this psalm. Like, I can't believe it. Like, God thinks about me like that, thinks about us like that. Like, get the feel of this psalm. You know me. You search me. You know everything about me. You know when I sit. You know when I rise. You know what I'm going to say before I say it. You know everything I'm thinking, I'm feeling. You're before me. You're behind me. You put your hand on me. Wherever I go, let me get wistful. Wherever I go, I could go to the moon. I could settle on the far side of the sea. I could ride the sun. I could go to the secret place where people get made. And all in, the, in all these travels, you are right there. You see me. You know everything about me. Your thoughts about me outnumber the grains of sand. And he concludes these first few stanza with verse 18, uh, the second part of verse 18, I awake. It's like almost like I was dreaming. I was dreaming about going to the secret place and going to the far side of the sea. And I awake. And what does he experience when he awakes? I awake, and I'm still with you. No matter where I am, no matter what is happening, you see me, you are with me. Amen. That's beautiful. A lot of people need to hear this. We need to hear this. Let me just say before we go on, remember that song by, um, remember that famous song by Christina Aguilera, you are, I'm beautiful? You guys remember that song? I'm beautiful no matter what they say. Um, words can't bring me down. It's so powerful, actually. I think it's a powerful song because it's so powerful to affirm yourself and declare about yourself and your life that you are good and beautiful and valuable. I think it's really powerful. It's also powerful, I'll say, maybe even more powerful when someone else affirms you and what you do. That's powerful. You know, like I, I experienced this in a very trivial, hilarious way uh, a, a few years back. My daughter was in sixth grade, and she was doing this section in her social studies class about, like, Roman Empire. 
um, about the Roman Empire and classical civilization. And that was like, you know, very related to my PhD. And I told, I offered to the teacher, I'm trying to be helpful to the school and everything. So I offered to the teacher, oh, like, actually, I studied this. If you ever wanted some resources or help, I'm happy. And she took me up on the offer. I ended up giving this presentation on how Romans wrote biographies, you know. And anyway, so I do that. And then a few days later, I'm picking up my daughter from something at school. And then some of our sixth, sixth grade, some of our sixth grade friends are right there. And they're like, Mr. Park, like, oh, that, that, that presentation was so great. You nailed it. You know, like, they're telling me, like, they're my colleagues, you know, these sixth grade little girls. Anyway, but that was powerful. That's like, wow, thanks. <laughs> thanks, I really need to hear that. That's great. You know, um, but I'll say this. It can be even more, it's powerful to affirm yourself. It's even maybe more powerful when someone else affirms you. It's even more powerful, like for this psalmist, when you are affirmed by God, the skillful creator of all, the righteous judge of all. And he affirms you as beautiful and valuable and precious and worth caring about and worth thinking about. Like, that's incredible. You know, I think sometimes we suffer in our culture because we are so, like, self-driven and self-judged. Like, like, I'm my only judge. No one else can judge who I am. And it but it's really bad because it turns out we are really bad judges of ourselves. Sometimes we're really inaccurate, like we think we're great when we're not. But then, actually, I think what's worse and maybe even more common, we are very harsh judges of ourselves. We are very harsh judges of ourselves. And if it's up to me, I'm the only judge of myself. What so many of us find is we suck. And that's my judgment of myself. And how liberating is it when you read a psalm like this and we accept there is a God who made us. And this God who made us knows us like this and sees us like this and surrounds us like this, who thinks about us like this, where we can say, I give thanks to you, I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. That's the psalm. The first three stanzas of the psalm. And now we get to the fourth stanza. Verse 19. It's actually a jarring last stanza. Verse 19. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O oh God. O oh, men of blood, like men of violence, people with blood on their hands, depart from me. He prays to God, verse 20, they speak against you with malicious intent. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord, O Yahweh? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with complete hatred. I count them my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me or try me and know my thoughts. See if there is any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. We have to ask, I think, when we read this, Last stanza of Psalm 139, who are these evil people who hate God? Because didn't God make them too? Doesn't God know them too? Doesn't God think about them too? And I think verse 23 and 24, these last two verses, actually really help us understand this stanza. Like, I think the idea is, I'll just read 23 and 24 one more time. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Search me, O God, and know my heart. And just remember how this psalm started in verse 1. Lord, you search me and you know me. And it ends with, search me and know me. Test me, know my thoughts, my cares. See if there's any grievous way in me and lead me in the way 
everlasting, actually, in the way olam, in the way everlasting, forever. See, I think what, this, what these verses are tipping us off to is that God made and knows everyone, but not everyone wants God to know them. God sees everyone, but not everyone wants God to see them. And I think in the end, there's an arrogance that many people have. And I'm not talking about like just like an intellectual skepticism here, like, I don't know about God because I'm not sure about the existence, how that works, philosophically, theologically, etc. I'm talking more about an, an attitude that people have, that individuals have, that groups and cultures have. It's, a, it's an emotional kind of attitude to God that basically we don't need God. Like intellectual arguments aside, just putting those aside, just emotionally, my attitude is just like, in the end, we don't really need God. We don't want God, our creator, in our life. Like we prefer to just think of our life as not created by any person. We'd like to think, we prefer to think about our life not seen by anybody. We prefer to think that our life is just judged solely by ourselves. And the psalmist is like, that's not me. That's not me. And he prays this last two verses of Psalm 139. Search me, God, know my heart. Again, it started, you search me and you know me. Now he says, yes, search me. Know me. Know my heart. Try me. Know my anxious thoughts, my cares. And see if there's any grievous or hurtful way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Lead me in the way everlasting. I think Psalm 138, if you just go back one psalm, verse 6 of Psalm 138 gives us some insight as well. Though the Lord is on high, though Yahweh is on high, he regards the lowly. He considers, he sees the lowly, but the haughty or the arrogant he knows from afar. I think that gives us a nice emotional like entree into Psalm 139. But as we kind of finish up our meditation on Psalm 139, I just want to finish up with three prayers that it gives us. Actually, four, but three prayers that it gives us in verse 23 and 24. I say kind of four because we've already talked about this prayer. I praise you. I thank you. That's the right response. When we find out that the, when we think about how God knows us like this, we thank you. We praise you. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I think about that. I have worth. I have value. I'm worth being cared for and thought about. Then in verse 23 and 24, I think it gives us at least three prayers, three ways that we can pray. If you're like, I'm not sure how to pray. I just became a Christian recently, and I, sometimes I struggle with how to pray. I've been a Christian, maybe for some of us, I've been a Christian for like 30 years, and so I don't know how to pray sometimes. Here are three very specific prayers that we can find in verse 23 and 24. Number one, just very simply said, we welcome you. God, we welcome you. Again, verse one is just, Search me, or sorry, you search me and you know me. Verse 23 is, Lord, please search me and know me. Like, why does he have to pray, search me and know me? Because God already does it. God already does it. God already searches and knows it. Why does he have to say this? I think he's saying this because he's inviting God to do it. He says, God, I want you to search me and know me. I welcome you. We welcome you to be like this in our life. We can talk about it like right here in this, like God's spirit is here. God's spirit is here. Like, his pre like if we just go outside the door, like, does, we can say, yeah, God's spirit is here. But when we go out the door, like, into the foyer, we say, oh, God's spirit is sort of there, like, a little bit weaker. Like, go down the escalator a little bit weaker still, go across the street to Whole Foods, forget about it. He's, he's gone. Is that how we're thinking of it? No, of course not. 
God is everywhere. His spirit is everywhere. So what are we saying? What, what do we really mean when we say God's spirit is here? I think we're saying, I mean, there's multiple things we're saying, but one thing that we're saying is we welcome you here. We are hyper aware of your presence here in a way that we may not be on the escalator at Whole Foods. We are hyper aware of your presence here. And we're focused on that. We are here. Like when we go to the metro, we're there to ride the subway even though we're waiting for the train, even though you're there with us. The Whole Foods, we're doing groceries. Yeah, you're here with us, but we're focused on groceries. Here, you're here with us, and we're focused on you. We're focused on speaking to you, on being spoken to by you. We're, we're focused on encountering you, Lord, on encountering your Holy Spirit. And we welcome you. We welcome you. This is hospitality, hospitality language. We see this throughout the Bible. Like, I receive you. That's hospitality, hospitality language. I receive you, Lord. We receive you. We welcome you. You search and know us, and we are happy about that. We welcome you here. We welcome you. We want you to know us. It is so good to be known by you, Lord. It's so good to find our worth and value, not just in my own impressions of myself, but in you and your thinking about you and your thinking about me and the way you created me. Number two, second prayer. It's the first prayer. We welcome you. Really simple. We welcome you. We welcome you in our life. Number two, we don't want to hurt you. And this is just like a, a kind of an informal way of translating the first part of verse 24. See if there's any grievous way in me, hurtful way. We don't want to hurt you. See, the psalmist knows that God is a person, and this relationship is a deep and intense personal one. God isn't like a robot-type creator. It's, it's, he's not like an AI artist. He's a person. God is a person. You know, and like we sin in many ways as a society, as an individual, we, as a family, as a group of friends, we sin in many ways in what we do and what we don't do, in our selfishness, in our deceitfulness, in our lack of sexual restraint, in our malice, in our slander. I mean, there's so many ways in our not caring about those who are vulnerable. And it's not just like God is watching us, like we're like figure skating or something, giving some kind of performance, and he's just giving us a, a, a mark. And you're like, oh, we hope we get a good mark on this judge. No, God is a person. And the relationship isn't like the relationship between a judge and a performer or a teacher and like a, a, or a grader of an exam and a test taker. It's a personal, deep, and intense relationship between a created, a created person and a creator. And that sin hurts God. This is what the psalmist understands. See if there's any hurtful way in me. Because I know I can hurt you. And when we sin, we offend you. We grieve you. We hurt you. God is a person close to us who can be hurt by us. And I'm, I'm just going to read from Ephesians 4.30. This is Paul writing to the church in Ephesus. He says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. There's this um, missionary, pastor, um, writer. His name is Floyd McClung. Um, like late missionary, late pastor, late writer. Floyd McClung. And um, he was talking at one point about uh, his daughter who was at that time six years old. His daughter, Misha. 
And apparently Misha was going through this stage where she just kept lying to uh, people, lying to him and her parents. And, um, you know, I guess they tried, like, different strategies, disciplines, whatever, and just nothing worked. Uh, those of you who are parents can relate. Like, nothing works, you know. Um, but at one point, I guess he tells a story of how, like, before school, they went for a walk, just six. And then he just says, um, that Misha, I, I just can't trust you anymore. And he started tearing up. And he says, it hurts daddy so much that he can't trust his daughter. And she goes to school, and then later in the day after school, um, they talk again. And he says, and so um, what are we going to do about this line? And she starts tearing up. And she says, Daddy, like, what can I do so you'll trust me again? He's like, I'm so sorry. I don't want to hurt you. And Floyd says, that was real repentance. That's real repentance. I think the same applies when we talk about our sin before God. It's not just, oh, I did badly. I want to do better on the next test. It's, I hurt you, and I don't want to hurt you. And I think when we don't have that sense, if, we, if we're not really aware of that sense of, of being able to grieve God and grieve his Holy Spirit, we're missing a big part of what makes our repentance authentic and deep and real. And this is what the psalmist tells us. Pray like this. Number one, we welcome you. We want you to know us like this. We want you to see us like this. Number two, we don't want to hurt you. We don't want to hurt you. I know this is personal. This is a relationship. And the third prayer that we can find here in the last part of Psalm 139, again, just very simply said, we want to be like you. We want to be like you. The last phrase of Psalm 139 is, lead me in the way everlasting, in the way olam, the Hebrew word olam. What else is olam in book five of the Psalms? It's his love. Psalm 107 verse one, the very first verse of this book five of the Psalms. Give thanks or praise the Lord because his love is olam. Like always, forever. It's constant. It has no beginning or end. It's always. It is everlasting. The last verse of Psalm 118 that we talked about a couple weeks ago. If you just look back, again, a, a psalm ahead, Psalm 138, the, the way the Psalm 138 ends is, the Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Amen. Your steadfast love, your love, O Lord, is olam, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. And here at the end of Psalm 139, we see the psalm say, psalmist saying, lead me in the way, olam. Lead me in that way. It's not just that your love is olam and great and out there somewhere. It's I want to be part of that olam life. That's the instinct of the psalmist. And that's an instinct that we see throughout the Bible. Because it's not just God is so great and we're not and so, so, it, so it stands. Stop. No, it's God is so great and we want to be like him. We want to be part of that life. And so Genesis 1, it starts when it when, when Genesis 1 talks about how we're made, it says we are made in God's image. We're meant to resemble God. The law and the prophets, like Torah prophets, they talk about how God is a defender of the poor. And then guess what? They also say, you defend the poor and the defenseless and the vulnerable. Because God does it. Psalm, the, book 1 of the Psalter. 
Starts with Psalm 1, ends with Psalm 41, book 1. Psalm, uh, Psalm book 1 starts with find refuge. Blessed is the one who finds refuge in God. Blessed is the one who finds refuge in God. And the book ends in Psalm 41 with blessed is the one who considers the weak or the poor. That is, blessed are those who find refuge in God and blessed are those at the end of the book who give refuge to others. That's the logic of the scripture. And, and I'm going to just turn one more time to Ephesians. Same place, verse 30. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Verse 31. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Verse 32. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. As God in Christ forgave you. Therefore, this is chapter 5, just continuing in. Next verse, chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, be imitators of God. As beloved children. Why children? Because children resemble their parents. Walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Be like Christ. Yeah, that does, I mean, we can't die for the sins of the world like Christ, but what we can do is we can love sacrificially. We can give of ourselves. We can forgive others even when it's hard to forgive. We can be kind. We can be steady. We can have a love that is steady and faithful. We talked about this the last, I don't know, I've mentioned this already a couple times this past month, but that's why our wedding vows are what they are, the traditional wedding vows. I vow, I vow to love and cherish you no matter what happens. That is, my love is going to be steadfast like God's love. No matter what happens, I will always do my best for you. That's what we're vowing in a, in a, in a marriage. And that's what the psalmist is encouraging us to pray here. Lead me in this way. Let me be part of your life. So three quick prayers at the end. Number one, we welcome you. We welcome you into our life. Number two, we don't want to hurt you. Number three, we want to be like you. Those are good, those are it's a good set of prayers that we get from Psalm 139. Please pray with me. Um, I'm just, you know, we're gonna have a sort of session of prayer that for a little bit. And we're gonna start just praying uh, with our own words, just where we are. Um, just sort of on our own. And then in a moment, um, Julie's going to come back up and lead us in just prayers that we can say together, all together, um, like same words. But, um, but just first, I'm just going to lead us in just a few prayers. First one is just uh, simply to say thank you. The psalmist says, I thank you, I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that very well. So could you pray along those lines? Could you just pray, Lord, I thank you because my life is valuable. I thank you because my life is not a mistake. That my life has purpose and meaning and intention. That you see it as good. You even see it as wonderful. You see it as fearful and awesome. Thank you, Lord. Let's just pray like that. I'll give you just a moment to pray something along those lines. Say that to the Lord who made us.
before I lead us in our next prayer, let me just pray real quick for, for us. Lord, I pray specifically for anyone who, who uh, Lord, has been feeling strange to that truth, far off from that truth, distant from that sense of how you know us and how we are valuable and how you made us. Lord, affirm us, strengthen us. Lord, I pray for uh, our friends here that you would speak your truth to them, that you remove kind of uh, deceptions and kind of false truths, flat-out lies that uh, have been circulating in their, their minds for too long. Lord, bring healing, bring your truth, bring your love, your steadfast love around. Lord, in your power, come, Holy Spirit. Come, Lord, speak your word deeply. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Just receive that, people. Receive that, friends. Just receive that from your creator. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. And so as you continue to receive, this is strengthening of his word, the strengthening of his spirit. Um, let's just pray these few last prayers from the last verses of Psalm 139. Just first, we welcome you. Lord, I know you're everywhere. I know you're here. But I'm glad you're here. I know you see me. I know you search me. I know you made me. And I'm glad. I welcome you. We welcome you into our life. So just pray a moment along those lines. We welcome you, Lord. Next, we're just going to pray. We don't want to hurt you. We don't want to hurt you. We don't want to grieve you. Because we know it's a personal thing between us and you, Lord. That you feel, you care. So, Lord, we don't want to hurt you. Let's pray along those lines. We don't want to hurt you. Sorry when we hurt you, Lord. Lastly, we want to be like you. Let me just say that to the Lord. We want to be like you. We want to go your way. We want to be part of your life, Olam, your ways, your love, your goodness. Lord, let us be like you. Amen. The Bible says that God relates to us like a shepherd to sheep who knows us and cares for us as his own. This is from Ezekiel chapter 34. I myself will be the shepherd for my sheep, and I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost, and I will bring back the strayed, and I will bind up the injured, and I will strengthen the weak, and the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them in justice. Um, so as Pastor Carl said, we're, we're going to enter a time of prayer. Um, and I'll lead us.
us, and um, at different times I will say, search us and know us, O God. And I ask that you respond with, lead us in the way everlasting. So let's just practice that. Search us and know us, O God. Lead us in the way everlasting. So let's pray together. God, we take great comfort in knowing that you know us. You know how we are formed. You remember that we are dust. And so you deal kindly with us with tender mercy and compassion. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, you made us alive in Christ. So we confess and repent of our sins. We acknowledge and confess that we have sinned against you in thought, in word, and deed. We have not loved you with all of our heart and soul and mind and strength. We have not loved our neighbor as ourselves. And though you already know and see how much we fall, you don't leave us there. You deliver us and lead us in ways of righteousness. Search us and know us, O oh God. Lead us in the way everlasting. This assurance comes from 1 John chapter 1, verses 8 through 9. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God, we pray not only for ourselves as individuals, but also for our church. We thank you um, for the ways that you've been leading us through different seasons this past year and knowing where we are as a body of believers. God, thank you for bringing us through holistic healing and challenging us to deeper and greater thanksgiving and celebration. Thank you for adding to our number new friends, new staff, and new brothers and sisters in Christ. You have been so faithful, Lord. And as we see a new year of church ministry starting um, in a few weeks, God, we ask for greater realities of your kingdom to be manifest in and through our church. God, please use our church, use this body and this community. Please take a moment to pray for our church and lifting up specific requests to God. Search us and know us, O oh God. Lead us in the way everlasting. Yes, Lord, we pray for greater realities of your kingdom to be present right here in Pentagon City and in Crystal City and in Arlington, in the neighborhoods where we live and places where we work. Lead us as we seek to love and serve our neighbors with Christ's love. God, we pray for our local ministry partners, um, Little Lights, Casa Chiralagua, and Global Gates. We pray you would bless and increase their capacity to bring your light and the hope that only you can give to the communities that they serve. We know that you see and know each of the staff, the volunteers, the children, and the families that interact with these ministries. We know that, uh, well, we don't know all of their names and um, who they are, but we know you do, and you know every need. So on behalf of our friends and um, our partners, God, we pray this. 
Search us and know us, O God. Lead us in the way everlasting. Finally, God, you see and know all things, good and bad, happening in this world. We pray for the civilians that are caught in war, the poor and the vulnerable who are subjected to human trafficking, those with no relief from the relentless heat around the world, um, and those that are losing their homes to natural disasters. God, we pray for your deliverance and mercy, for your protection and justice. We pray you would put an end to evil, to the injustices in this world. Search us and know us, O oh God. Lead us in the way everlasting. God, we take great comfort in knowing you are a God who sees us and knows us and who hears our prayers. Thank you for being our great shepherd, for leading us to life, life everlasting. Amen. Uh, the mystery of our faith is great. One, one second. The, we got that. The mystery. Do you guys know it? All right. We say it. Oh, there we go. All right. The mystery of our faith is great. Amen. Um, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. And he said, this bread is my body. This broken bread is my body broken for you. And he took a cup and he said, this cup is, a, is my blood shed for the forgiveness of sins. He said, when you eat this bread, when you take this cup, you remember me. You, you proclaim my death until um, I come again. And that's what we do every Sunday. Uh, if you follow Christ, um, we invite you to come up to the front and also or, or to the back. We have these um, little elements of wafer and juice um, and a little single serve thing. Um, but as you take that, I just encourage you just to welcome the Lord. It's like we're talking about with Psalm 139. Like, I welcome you. We welcome you. Um, we receive you like hospitality. We welcome you, receive you, and I want to be part of a life with you. Um, I just invite you to come and, and take that, and as you come and as we take and eat, we'll, um, we'll uh, sing a, a few songs as we close our service. Um, yeah, please come.
As we are refreshed in the love of God today, as we are refreshed in the knowledge of God over us and how we're wonderfully and fearfully made, as we welcome Him and as we say, Lord, we want to be one with you, we want to be part of your life, we want to be like you, just as a, as a church a group here. Let's sing this last bridge and chorus of this song. Just saying, Lord, this is what we're here to do. This is what we want our life to be about, Lord. With thankfulness, with awe, with humility and love, this is what we're saying. Lord, we'll build our life upon your love. Let's sing that, church.
Amen. Amen. As church, as we uh, leave from here, uh, refreshed in the beauty and the love of the Lord, the things that we really need to hear, uh, let's refresh others with the beauty and love of the Lord, with things people really need to hear. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, let's go like that. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope that you have a great rest of your day. We look forward to seeing you soon. Thanks.